Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Uh, with that, we always believe that conversation time is the most vital thing of what we knew at, do at New Abbey. Uh, I don't believe that I have more authority than you because I paid way too much money to get an MDiv um, or because I'm a pastor. I believe I'm entrusted with something, but I believe that God is found in each and every one of us. My job is to empower. Uh, my job is to, to hear the, the voices that are in this room. And so we have conversation time to hear from one another. And so if you would find three or four or five people around you, get as close to them as you feel comfortable online. We're going to break you out into some Zoom groups. And would you answer this question with one another? Where have you been positively surprised this year? Enjoy. I have a friend. His name is Connor. He goes here. Some of you know him. He's a tall, very beautiful human being. Uh, he's like a Calvin Klein model or something like that, as we all are, I guess. Um, he's got an amazing heart and capacity to love. Uh, one of my favorite things on Instagram is watching him love his dog. Like, it's literally like, man, people slide into your DMs a lot with this thing, probably. <laughs> but it's pure. It's beautiful. There's just this energy between him and his dog. Some of you are dog people in here, right? Some of you are cat, but you're animal people. Look at this, yeah. It's a progressive L.A. church. You love your animals, all right? Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, your dog has like a therapist and a masseuse, and like there's, it's, uh, yeah, their heads are shaking like, this is correct, yes, this, you're speaking of me, I know how this goes. There's something about watching a dog, though, where a dog loves its master. A dog loves the person who takes care of it. There's this energy that a dog gives off like when you leave the house, the dog is just sitting there like, okay, you left. I don't know when you're coming back, but I'm here for you when you, when you get back, right? And a good dog, man, they'll hold their pee for like 12 hours, right? They'll hold that thing in. They're like, not till my master gets home. I'm gonna hold this thing. I'm just gonna be so excited to see you. And a dog just has this energy that it gives out in the world of it's excited every time that you come home. That a dog in some way almost experiences a moment of loss, whether you're gone for 12 seconds or 12 hours, right? And when this dog sees you again, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. But you're back. I've been thinking about you and only you this entire time. <sighs> we know cats don't do that. Anyways, <laughs> cat's like, I didn't even know you were gone. Is the tuna in the bowl? I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Some cat people out there are going to send me some messages, and I don't want them. I don't want them. I'm joking. I don't have a cat. I'm, a, I'm like deathly allergic of cats. Like, I flare up, so I don't really have anything to say. Are you clapping that I'm deathly allergic of cats? There's like a clap, or you're like not a cat fan. You're like, oh, he almost dies from cat, you know, tender? Tender? What's it called? I don't know. Yeah. That's fine. I was just like so caught off guard that you were clapping for that that I didn't quite know where to go. Almost forgot I was doing a sermon. And when I watched these videos of Connor, I, I literally, I texted him the other day and, and we were having dinner. I was like, can you just send me some of like your like private collection? Because I know you got it of videos of your dog, right? Of like this deep, deep, intimate, romantic love that you have for one another. And he did. And you're welcome. Here you go. That's on. That's on. That's on. Bubba, that's you. Okay? Man. 
like I said, people are sliding into those DMs. So. And that's God and that's you. This is reconstructing worship. There's a God up there and as cheesy as it is and as youth pastor as it sounds, who's got your name on the t-shirt. It's like, that's you. Come lay right here. This is you. And you're not afraid to worship this loving, kind being because you're like, that is me. You care about me. You want to hold me. You are so proud of me. It's not like you're proud of me, you have the t-shirt of me, and then you secretly want to send me to like the basement where it's really, really hot and I got to be there for all of eternity kind of love. That was a weird love. This is a love of, no, I'm crazy about you. I love you. I like you. You're my child. I'm about you all of the time. And so, so much of reconstructing worship is reconstructing our concept of God. What you deconstructed, which you had to let go, was a God who was sociopathic and narcissistic and was like, you must worship me. Was that a single hand in the air? You know we're a two-hand kind of God around here, right? And some of you have had a relationship with God that feels like God is sociopathic. And you're like, what kind of weird, omnipotent being who has all of the power in the universe is like, you must sing for at least 15 minutes a Sunday for me, and they must be Chris Tomlin songs. And if you do not, you know where you go. That's weird. And I caricaturize it, and I'm mocking it because we've had these weird connections to what we think that God needs. But I think just in like this beautiful picture of Connor, what if God's out there saying, I love you, I care for you like a good parent or a good owner of an animal. Your, your, your child loves you and is crazy about you because you love your child and you're crazy about them. It's not some unhealthy form of parentification where you need your kid to love you to feel better about yourself. No, in this version of the story, God is holy. Holy does not mean perfect. Holy means other. And other means that God is the adult one, not right, adult one, that's not a word, but I'm making it up. You get what I'm saying? God's the ones, God is the one who is the adult. God is the one who is the other. God is the one who can give the love out and is not scared if you don't give all of the love back perfectly. That's why God is God. And so we reorient, redefine, reconstruct, reclaim our relationship to God, and then it changes our practices about how we worship this God. So in order to talk about reconstructing some worship, we gotta talk about some things. We're gonna talk about seven weeks of resurrection. And if we can do that, then we can talk about a little bit of deconstruction. And if we can think about deconstruction, then we got to think about deconstruction. And then everyone's favorite Greek word on a Sunday morning, proskuneo. And then if we can talk about proskuneo, then we can talk about Tani Tulua Atawami. And if we can talk about Tani Tulua Atawami, then we can be surprised. And if we can be surprised, then let's talk about Sons of Sam. That was some dark shit on Netflix. And then if we can talk about that, then let's lighten it up with the chef show. Woo, Rochoy, John Favre, praise God. The, any fans? Four people in the back, all right. Then we can talk about gratitude, and if we can talk about gratitude, then we can talk about kindness. If we can understand kindness, then the Dalai Lama has some words for me. And then, my friends, a sloppy wet kiss. All right. Sunday morning is going to be fun, all in 13 minutes. You know I lie. Actually, where I want to begin is thinking about Easter. In the seven weeks that are following Easter Sunday, in liturgical settings or orthodox settings, it's called Eastertide. 
that in liturgical settings, which by the way, in Orthodox settings, make up 75% of Christianity around the world. I didn't grow up in those settings. I grew up in evangelicalism, so I didn't have that. But Easter is this entire season in which we practice and we participate in the resurrection of Jesus, and we keep talking about resurrection stories as we reclaim it and make sense of it for our particular time and place in history. And the story that I want to look at this morning is a resurrection story on the last Sunday of Easter. I know you've all been following your liturgical calendars carefully, because next week is Pentecost, which clearly Frankie is prepared for, but the rest of you, we need to get you there. So follow along with me in Matthew chapter 28. It goes like this. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. I skipped a verse, but either way, his appearance was the light. Man, I am having a tough time with words this morning. It's a good thing I do not speak professionally for a living. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, a moment of surprise, Jesus met them. Greetings. Jesus is very formal, apparently. He said, they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And then a few verses down, verse 16, it says this, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love the spectrum of what you get there. They were afraid, they were filled with joy, they were doubting, and, and they worshiped. They had the full spectrum of our human experience. It wasn't this experience where you were told, never doubt, never be afraid, don't ask questions, just worship, just sing it louder, just do the thing. That doesn't work for your humanity. There are days where you just have a lot of extra questions and you just wanna play the Hillsong song. That's okay. You can do both and you don't have to do either. You are invited into the full spectrum of what it means to be human. This idea of deconstruction is very important to me. I love that now apparently like on like the Instagrams, the deconstruction is like being negatively talked about like in conservative environments, almost like it's evil to deconstruct or to think or to ask questions. I'm like, eh, super uninteresting. Deconstruction is powerful. Look what happened in the story. The Bible is filled with deconstruction. Imagine you're Mary or the other Mary or the other Mary. There was a lot of Marys. Imagine you were one of the 11 disciples. You had a version of Jesus in your head and what Jesus was going to do in your life. You had a version of Jesus of what everyone told you Jesus was supposed to be. You, as one of the disciples, had a different version of the version that you were told as a kid even, right? They were telling you a version of what a Messiah had to look like and then you experienced Jesus a little bit and then Jesus died and there was like three days and we were all confused. 
Isn't that powerful to know that their story is your story? They had all of these big emotional moments, experiences where they had different versions of Jesus and it was all okay. That they were told Jesus needed to be something and then Jesus wasn't that. They were told that Jesus was gonna do some things and Jesus didn't do it. And yet they were still surprised. They were still open to the new version of Jesus that they received in resurrection. And that gets to be our story as well. Deconstruct some things. You were given some versions of Jesus. You've evolved in your versions of Jesus. You don't have to let go of everything. There are some things that you can pick up. There is a whole new Jesus that you can encounter. And isn't that good news? God is not scared of your evolution. God is not scared of what you are figuring out. A God who is scared of that is a very small God. So we are deconstructing because everybody deconstructs. That's the story of faith. We are participants in faith. Even in the Old Testament, Judaism, the Israelites, the people of Israel, Israel means to struggle. We are a people who struggle. Why didn't I get that sermon more often when I was 14 years old and being 14 years old? I needed that because we're all figuring it out at different seasons of our life and we need to deconstruct some things and we need to reconstruct some things. The word for worship in both of those passages when Mary and Mary saw Jesus and they clasped his feet or the 11 disciples saw Jesus and they worshiped him and doubted is proskuneo. Say proskuneo with me. MDiv grads, you're good to go. Proskuneo is the word for worship, but the word for worship there actually means in its most deepest etymological form, big words on a Sunday morning, I know, is a dog seeing its master for the first time and licking its hand. Is he comparing me to a dog and God is my master? No, but work with me here, people. You get it. What's happening is they thought that they lost something. How many of you have thought that you've lost Jesus? Not like lost Jesus in your conservative days, like I'm lost and now I'm saved. Not like that kind of lost, but lost in, I still think I want this thing. I had beautiful moments over here and I don't wanna throw all of it away, but it feels like sometimes I don't have a choice. And then you grow and you evolve and you mature and you're like, I do have a choice. I can pick some new things up. I can still be excited about this version of Jesus in a new way in my life, and that feels good. I want to reconstruct some things, and I wanna honor my own history. I wanna honor my own narrative. I don't wanna look back on everything that happened back there and be like, well, that wasn't real. Well, that camp experience, Puh. Why? Because I don't wanna be cynical all the time. I don't wanna to have to question everything that ever happened to me and then label it as bad. What if it just is? And then I am understanding and transforming and maturing and healing from where I'm at now. And what I love about these stories is that they invite us fully into a new ability to reconstruct worship. I remember being 16 years old and I went to a Promise Keepers conference with my dad. Anybody remember Promise Keepers? Most of you giggled when I said that, but that's okay, me too. And I remember being at the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado with 15,000 men, 
And I didn't grow up in a church world where men were particularly emotional. To be a good Christian man meant like things are in the head and you show no emotions and you're stern. Anybody have that kind of father? A lot of eyes just rolled. We all have different versions of men or of women or what we've been told is appropriate in society. But for me, I just had an experience really. My dad wasn't really emotional in that way. Uh, but now I was in a room with 15,000 men and I think it was Israel Houghton who was saying, is that a thing? Is that his name? Right? Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, like men were crying. And I just had never really experienced this before. And I was so moved in that moment. As 15, like the energy in the room was just palpable. And I was experiencing something. I was connecting with Jesus in a beautifully fresh way. And I remember, for whatever reason, my little 16-year-old heart with my undeveloped frontal lobe just walked his way up to the front of this building. And I remember just laying on the ground at the Pepsi Center and just weeping just weeping for like 30 minutes, just worshiping Jesus. And I don't wanna throw that away. That was a powerful moment for me. I was surprised by something in that moment. I saw a loving, kind, beautiful version of God in that moment that I still want. I saw men cry, and this was the 90s, people. Men didn't know they could cry yet. They didn't have podcasts. They weren't talking about therapy yet. This was another century right? You get it. You're like, I have a baby boomer father too, I know. And so I don't want to throw away that memory. I want to be open to the surprise of that moment. And so as we reconstruct worship, we need to practice some things. Tani Adewami, who's this beautiful young man right here, is 10 years old. He is the newest chess master in the world. He's the 38th youngest chess master ever. He practices chess 10 hours a day. He is an immigrant and refugee from Nigeria, came to the United States with his family, moved to New York City, and uh, he was fleeing Boko Haram. And when he came to the United States, chess was his refuge. Chess was the place where he could find freedom. I would call it his worship. And what I believe is that wherever we're at in life, we must practice worship. We must practice the things that we love in this world. When I do counseling with couples, you will not find healing when you just like lay in a room in your anger and allow osmosis to work. No, you practice taking risks again, right? When there's been hurt and strain in a relationship, what would it look like to try dating one another again? What would it look like to hold one another's hand again? What would it look like to have conversations again? That when we are deconstructing or we let things go, in order to reconstruct, we must practice some things. You don't become one of the world's youngest US chess masters by not practicing. I believe that we will want to practice reconstructing worship because there's some other things in life that we want to offer the world and we're gonna get to those things in a minute. And so reconstructing involves practice. Here's the first thing that I wanna practice as a community. Let's practice being open to surprise. What I love about the resurrection story is we're like 2,021 years after the fact, so we're like, Jesus died, spoiler alert, he resurrects, we get it, right? You're not like, he came out of the tomb? I didn't see this coming. I did not see this coming. If it wasn't for Mel Gibson, I would have never known. No. 
You know where the story goes. But what if you didn't? What if you didn't know the story? What if you were experiencing it literally? What if this was your journey and you thought that the man was dead and you are at a tomb, it's empty, there's angels, crazy stuff is happening and you see Jesus. You had experienced loss. He was gone. You deconstructed it. You didn't know that Jesus was gonna show up anymore in your life. All of the versions of Jesus that you had believed were gone and now he's here. What a surprise. And so how do we practice surprise? Barring the fact that Jesus might show up, you know, magically in this moment, we'll take it. But if not, how do we be open to resurrection and reclaiming and reconstructing so that we might worship, that we might have a different posture for how we live into the world? Here's a couple ideas that I wanna think about. Hang out with children. Seriously, just hang around kids. They're just gonna say beautiful things. They experience awe and wonder because they're seeing it all fresh for the first time. They don't know that he comes out of the tomb. Dad, do you see colors? Dad, hippos. Ooh, my middle child, Bryce, he loves hippos. We had a baseball game yesterday, which he clearly doesn't care about playing baseball. And at the end, I was asking him about his, hippo game, about his baseball game, and all he could talk about was, I know, Dad, but hippos. He's like, I love how chubby they are. That's what he tells me. I love how chubby they are. What a gift. Go for a walk. Seriously, just take in the world, take in a city, take in a hike, take in the mountains, take in colors. Have you ever thought about this? There are colors, colors, all kinds of colors in this universe. There's light, your eyes work, you see colors. Go to a great meal. Man, just a chef who's dialed something in, who wants you to experience it beautifully. Go to a taco cart. Allow, yeah, there we go. Taco cart fans in the room. Seriously, you want to be open to surprise? Go to a taco cart and say, this explosion is happening in my mouth right now. That did not work out as I planned. I literally saw some of your faces and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to say it. I'm above that. I'm not this immature. Okay, I had to say it. Be open to surprise with food. I got to really move on to that, that point. That, that. I, gr I grew up in a world where I was told that I was bad a lot of times. I was recently watching the docuseries on Netflix, Sons of Sam, and in some ways, I almost feel like this is how I was told the world does. If you don't know the story of Son of Sam, it was a mass murderer who did all these shootings in the 1970s. It was a very scary time and place. Uh, I don't need to depress you on a Sunday morning, so I'm not gonna talk more about it. You can absolutely Google it. But it was almost taught like we're all depraved like this. This is, the world is bad and scary and evil and you gotta protect yourself. And I'm like, no. Are there crazy things in the world? Yes. Are there people who do things that are atrocious? Without a doubt. I believe it's at the end of the bell curves. I believe that most of humanity is the chef show. If you haven't seen the chef show, just open that joy box and get ready for a good time. These guys just love each other. They just love cooking food with one another. It's like every time they cook with one another, Jean Favre and Roy Choi, there's just a surprise waiting to happen in the room. And I just love their energy. I love how they're thinking about food, how they're just delighting in each day. 
as we reconstruct worship, what reconstructing is a God who gave us all of this, a God who gave us colors, a God who gave us taste buds, a God who gave us the ability to make love and to be held, to know, to experience intimacy, to cry, to weep, to hold on, to be moved by music, to kneel on a stage and say, God is proud of me. There's a God who gave us the ability to experience all of that. And I want to experience it. I don't wanna be so deconstructed that I miss it. I wanna say, I had a version of you, Jesus, and it died over there, but there's a new version of you that's better, and that's the thing I'm gonna reconstruct. That's the thing I'm gonna reclaim. This is the version of Jesus that I get to have. Well, they keep saying on the internet, I don't care. That's for them, not for me. Let's show them a better way. And we are. There's a new and better way being told out there. There's a new version of Jesus, which by the way is not a new version of Jesus, actually a really old version of Jesus that's being told in the world. So practice surprise. Get a dog, hold that thing. You're gonna be surprised every day. Like go to a pound and just see all these animals that wanna be adopted and just be like, love. Like you're gonna experience it. Find moments in your life and practice it. Be intentional about it and be surprised. If you can practice being surprised, then would you practice gratitude? Would you practice being thankful for all of the surprises that you experienced today? Would you practice being open to it? Just writing it down. I mean, really practice it. Think about it. If it's in the morning when you wake up, just three things that you remember from the day before. Oh my gosh, when I was at Starbucks, somebody smiled because they didn't have a mask on. I haven't seen a smile in public in a year. Gratitude, surprise, huge moment. When I was on Instagram, besides all the other junk you saw, I'm like, oh my gosh, this person was just vulnerable. People were vulnerable on the internet. What a gift. Oh my gosh, I was watching the chef show, Thai food. What? Thank you, God. I don't know what the thing is that you're gonna experience. I was hanging out with Bryce and we talked about hippos for 90 minutes. I now love hippos. <laughs> write it down. Maybe it's at lunchtime. You just need to write down some gratitude. Need to write down the moment. This was the version of Jesus I had over here. I know I'm still deconstructing. I'm still working through it. Corey's not forcing me into just listening to Amy Grant. He's not. Corey is saying, reconstruct some things, be open to some surprises, and then start writing down those gratitudes. Maybe it's at the end of your day. Maybe you're gonna practice just calling that friend, your person, whoever, at the end of the night, you're just gonna say one thing you were thankful for today. Why? Because in this house, we're grateful. In this house, we're open to surprises. Let it catch on in your being. And guess what's gonna happen? Your eyes are gonna get way bigger. Your ears are gonna open up and you're gonna experience even more surprises because you're looking for it now. You don't even know you're looking for it, but your brain's like, surprise, surprise, surprise. Did you feel that hug that they just gave me? I'm human. Let's go, right? You're gonna keep experiencing the world in a different way way. This is what changes and transforms the world. When we're people who practice surprise, when we're people who practice gratitude, and then here's where maturity comes in. When we practice kindness. In the early church, for those first three centuries, the world didn't change because they were proselytizing people and convincing people not to go to hell. The world changed because of the kindness of the early church, because of hospitality. Do you know how the early church worshiped? They would have meals with one another. And at those meals, whether you were slave or master, male or female, Jew or Greek, you practiced hospitality, kindness with one another. And the early church went from like 12-ish to like 20 million in a few hundred years because of kindness. They weren't 
on social media proselytizing whatever thing. They were just practicing kindness in the world. So if you are open to surprise, if you are just filling yourself with gratitude, now you're the person, and when you're at Starbucks and you don't have a mask on anymore, you just look that stranger uncomfortably in the eye and you smile. It's weird. I know that your first thing is like, I gotta get my phone out, someone just made eye contact with me, this is Los Angeles. No, smile. Maybe you buy the drink for the person behind you. Maybe you wave. When the person who cuts you off in traffic, you just slow down and say, man, they had a snake on their lap. I'm so glad they're getting where they're going. No big deal. You're just gonna approach the world in a different way. In that relationship that's so difficult right now, what if you just tried out kindness? Just tried it, gave it a shot. What if your whole approach to humanity was kindness? I believe that followers of Jesus participate in kindness. There was a version of God that I grew up with that I did not wanna worship because that God was not kind. As the Dalai Lama says, my religion is kindness. I don't care what your religion is as long as you're participating in kindness. I believe that when you're participating in kindness, you are following the way of Jesus. And when you participate in kindness, guess what happens? Now you open up other people to surprise. Oh, look how the healing of the world happened there. They weren't expecting that today. They didn't think someone was gonna be kind to them. You gave it to them. And guess what happens when they keep being surprised by all these kind, eye-looking smilers out there? Then they start participating in gratitude. And when they start participating in gratitude, then they start participating in kindness. We have a way to change the world. It's not radical in some way that it's like unattainable or you gotta spend you know, hours a day preparing for it. It can be as simple as a smile. It can be as simple as a note in your phone. It can be as simple as a hug and would we participate in it? And I believe that worship is all of that. And then when we're open to these things, then what I also think starts happening is we also start picking up some of the forms of worshiping God that we used to love but we're uncomfortable with now. When we practice in this worship of kindness and reconstructing a bigger version of God and just being surprised and grateful for all the beauty and goodness and awe and wonder that's in the world, then there are just some days, and I'm dead serious about this, where I'm like, I really do need that Hillsong song. There's just something about those words that are true about what I believe in the world. I just need William to be up here and to sing something over Frankie because I know that there's been moments in my life where I was begging for somebody to sing over me. God, thank you for this surprise. God, thank you for this moment. God, thank you for these kind words. And we all witnessed that together. What a gift. That wasn't planned. That thing just happened organically in a room that was safe and kind, and that's why it could happen. And we get to create this environment and this world with one another. And so let's do it. And to end, more dog kissing stories, come on. Connor loves this dog. For me, it's this version of God that I want where God is crazy about me. Because God is crazy about me. Because God is invested in me. Because God is kind to me. Because God is not trying to manipulate, oppress, suppress me. Of course, in return, I want to say thank you. Thank you. I mean, thank you. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for the gift of pastoring a community that is beautiful and doubting and wondering and afraid and joyful with one another. Thank you for people who don't have it all figured out. Thank you for Thai food last night. Man, my kids love Pat's you, and I love green curry. Thank you for the rain this morning. 
Thank you for the beauty of life. Thank you for friends who are there for me. Thank you for laughter. Thank you, God, that today, wherever I go, I can choose kindness in my heart. We can worship you out of gratitude. We can bring more surprise to this world. Check out this video as we end. And as we go today, the question we want to offer you to take with you, have, have a meal with somebody, how will you practice reconstructing worship? Because worship really is about that. I am proud of you, Frankie. I am proud of you, Mora. And I love you, and I hold you, and I embrace you. And when we take this cup and we drink the cup, when we eat the bread, we're just saying yes to that that God is proud of you and me, of who we are. And we don't need to be filled up with anything more than us. That's what we're being filled up with, is more of God, is more of me, to be big and to bring what you have to the world. So as you eat the bread and drink the cup, may you go and be big and be fully you and be proud to be you and feel that embrace, that love of God. Go in the peace and the love and embrace yourself as you go. And if you feel comfortable, embrace somebody else and feel that love of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.